Section 4 of 93 by Victor Hugo, translated by Aline Delano. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part 1, Book 2, Chapter 3, Patrician and Plebeian United. The commander and the first officer returned on deck, and began to pace up and down side by side, talking as they walked. The theme was evidently their passenger, and this was the substance of the conversation which the wind wafted through the darkness. Bois-Bertelot grumbled half-audibly to La Vieuxville. It remains to be seen whether or no he is a leader. La Vieuxville replied, oh, Meanwhile, he is a prince. Almost. A nobleman in France, but a prince in Brittany. Like the Tremois and the Rohans. With whom he is connected. Bois-Bertelot resumed, In France and in the carriages of the king he is a marquis, as I am a count and you a chevalier. "'The carriages are far away!' exclaimed Vieuxville. "'We are living in the time of the tumbrel.' A silence ensued. Bois-Bertelot went on. "'For lack of a French prince, we take one from Brittany.' "'For lack of thrushes? No, since an eagle is not to be found, we take a crow.' "'I should prefer a vulture,' remarked Bois-Bertelot. La Vieuxville replied, oh, "'Yes, indeed, with a beak and talons.' We shall see. Yes, replied Vieuxville. It is time there was a leader. I agree with Tontignac. A leader and gunpowder. See here, commander, I know nearly all the possible and impossible leaders, those of yesterday, those of today, and those of tomorrow. Not one of them has the head required for war. In this cursed Vendée, a general is needed who would be a lawyer as well as a leader. He must harass the enemy, dispute every bush, ditch, and stone. He must force unlucky quarrels upon him and take advantage of everything. Vigilant and pitiless, he must watch incessantly, slaughter freely, and make examples. Now, in this armory of peasants there are heroes, but no captains. Dolbey is a non-entity. Descure an invalid. Bonchamp is merciful. He is kind, and that implies folly. La Roche-Jacquelon is a superb sub-lieutenant. Sils is an officer good for the open field, but not suited for a war that needs a man of expedience. Cotillonot is a simple teamster. Stoufle is a crafty gamekeeper. Berard is inefficient. Boulanvilliers is absurd. Charette is horrible. I make no mention of Gaston the barber. Mort de Montbleu! What is the use of opposing revolution? And what is the difference between ourselves and the Republicans if we set barbers over the heads of noblemen? The fact is that this beastly revolution has contaminated all of us. It is the itch of France. It is the itch of the tiers etat, rejoined Boisbertelot. England alone can help us. And she will, Captain, undoubtedly. Meanwhile, it is an ugly state of affairs. Yes, rustics everywhere. A monarchy that has Stoufle, the gamekeeper of Monsieur de Molivrier for a commander, has no reason to envy a republic whose minister is Pache, the son of the Duc de Castries is Porter. <laughs> what men this Vendian war brings face to face! On one side Santerre, the brewer, on the other Gaston, the hairdresser. My dear La Vieuxville, I feel some respect for this Gaston. He behaved well in his command of Guémenet. He had three hundred blues neatly shot after making them dig their own graves well enough done, but I could have done quite as well as he. <laughs> Pardieu, to be sure, and I too. The great feats of war, 
said Vuville, require noble blood in those who perform them. These are matters for knights and not for hairdressers. But yet there are estimable men in this third estate, rejoined Barbetelot. Take that watchmaker Jolie, for instance. He was formerly a sergeant in a Flanders regiment. He becomes a Vendean chief and commander of a coast band. He has a son, a Republican. And while the father serves in the ranks of the whites, the son serves in those of the blues. An encounter, a battle, the father captures the son and blows out his brains. He did well, said La Viville. A royalist Brutus, answered Boisbertelot. Nevertheless, it is unendurable to be under the command of a Coquereau, a Jean-Jean, a Moulin, a Foucard, a Beaujou, a Chope. My dear Chevalier, the opposite party is quite as indignant. We are crowded with plebeians. They have an excess of nobles. Do you think the sans-culottes like to be commanded by the Count de Canclos, the Viscount de Miranda, the Viscount de Beauharnais, the Count de Valence, the Marquis de Custine, and the Duc de Biron? What a combination! And the Duc de Chartres. Son of Egalité. By the way, when will he be king? Never. He aspires to the throne, and his very crimes serve to promote his interests. And his vices will injure his cause, said Boisbertelot. Then, after another pause, he continued, Nevertheless, he was anxious to be reconciled. He came to see the king. I was at Versailles when someone spit on his back. From the top of the grand staircase? Yes. I am glad of it. We called him Bourbon the Bourbeau. He is bald-headed. He has pimples. He is a regicide. And La Vuville added, I was with him at Wissant. On the Saint-Esprit? Yes. Had he obeyed Admiral d'Orvilliers' signal to keep to the windward, he would have prevented the English from passing. True. Was he really hidden in the bottom of the hold? No, but we must say so all the same. And La Vuville burst out laughing. Boisbertelot continued. <laughs> Fools are plentiful. Look here. I have known this Boulanvilliers of whom you were speaking. I knew him well. At first the peasants were armed with pikes. Would you believe it? He took it into his head to form them into pikemen. He wanted to drill them in crossing pikes and repelling a charge. He dreamed of transforming these barbarians into regular soldiers. He undertook to teach them how to round in the corners of their squares and to mass battalions with hollow squares. He jabbered the antiquated military dialect to them. He called the chief of a squad a cop d'escade, which was what corporals under Louis XIV were called. He persisted in forming a regiment of all those poachers. He had regular companies whose sergeants ranged themselves in a circle every evening, and, receiving the sign and countersign from the colonel's sergeant, repeated it in a whisper to the lieutenant's sergeant, who repeated it to his next neighbor, who in his turn transmitted it to the next man, and so on from ear to ear until it reached the last man. He cashiered an officer for not standing bareheaded to receive the watchword from the sergeant. You may imagine how he succeeded. This simpleton could not understand that peasants have to be led peasant fashion, and that it is impossible to transform rustics into soldiers. Yes, I have known Boulanvilliers. They walked along a few steps, each one engrossed in his own thoughts. Then the conversation was resumed. By the way, has the report of Dompierre's death been confirmed? Yes, Commander. Before Condé. At the camp of Pomars, he was hit by a cannonball. Boisbertelot sighed. Count Dampierre, another of our men who took sides with them. May he prosper wherever he may be, said Vuville. 
And the ladies, where are they? At Trieste. Still there. Yes, ah, this republic, exclaimed La Vuville. What havoc from so slight a cause? To think that this revolution was the result of a deficit of only a few millions. Insignificant beginnings are not always to be trusted. Everything goes wrong, replied La Vuville. Yes, La Rouerie is dead. Dutrisnay is an idiot. What wretched leaders are all those bishops? This Goussy, bishop of La Rochelle. Beaupois Saint-Aulard, bishop of Poitiers. Mercy, bishop of Luzon, a lover of Madame de la Chasserie. Whose name is Servanto, you know, commander? Miss Chasserie is the name of an estate. And that false bishop of Agra, who is a curé of I know not what. Of Dole. His name is Guillaume de Folleville. But then he is brave and knows how to fight. Priests when one needs soldiers. Bishops who are no bishops at all. Generals who are no generals. La Vieville interrupted Boisbertelot. Have you the moniteur in your stateroom, commander? Yes. What are they giving now in Paris? Hadel and Pauline and La Caverne. I should like to see that. You may. We shall be in Paris in a month. Boisbertelot thought a moment and then added, At the latest. Uh, so Mr. Wyndham told Lord Hood. Well, then, Commander, I take it affairs are not going so very badly. All would go well, provided that the Breton War were well managed. De Vieville shook his head. Commander, he said, are we to land the Marines? Certainly, if the coast is friendly, but not otherwise. In some cases, war must force the gates. In others, it can slip through them. Civil war must always keep a false key in its pocket. We will do all we can, but one must have a chief. And Waubertelot added thoughtfully, What do you think of the Chevalier de la Duzie, La Viville? Do you mean the younger? Yes. For a commander? Yes. He is only good for a pitched battle in the open field. It is only the peasant who knows the underbrush. In that case, you may as well resign yourself to General Stoufflet and Catelineau. La Vieville meditated for a moment. Then he said, What we need is a prince, a French prince, a prince of the blood, a real prince. How can that be, he who says prince? Says coward, I know it, commander, but we need him for the impression he would produce upon the herd. My dear Chevalier, the princes don't care to come. We will do without them. Boisbertelot pressed his hand mechanically against his forehead, as if striving to evoke an idea. He resumed. Then let us try this general. He is a great nobleman. Do you think he will do? If he is one of the right sort, said La Vieuville. You mean relentless, said Boisbertelot. The Count and the Chevalier looked at each other. Monsieur Boisbertelot, you have defined the meaning of the word. Relentless. Yes, that's what we need. This is a war that shows no mercy. The bloodthirsty are in the ascendant. The regicides have beheaded Louis XVI. We will quarter the regicides. Yes, the general we need is General Relentless. In Anjou and Upper Poitou, the leaders play the magnanimous. They trifle with generosity, and they are always defeated. In the Marais, in the country of Retz, where the leaders are ferocious, everything goes bravely forward. It is because Charette is fierce that he stands his ground against Parenne. Hyena pitted against Hyena. Boisbertelot had no time to answer. Vuville's words were suddenly cut short by a desperate cry, and at the same instant they heard a noise unlike all other sounds. This cry, and the unusual sounds, came from the interior of the vessel. 
The captain and the lieutenant rushed to the gun deck, but were unable to enter. All the gunners came running up beside themselves with terror. A frightful thing had just happened. End of section 4